Welcome to the Connections Podcast, presented by the Nebraska Safety Council, serving all of Nebraska since 1961, providing education and leadership to empower people to live safe and healthy. Now, here is your host, Nebraska Safety Council Executive Director, John Leffler, Jr. Welcome to the Connections Podcast. Glad to be back. Uh, Today, we have got a a fantastic topic that we are going to be covering. We'll get into that here in just a moment. But um, a little quick background, some thank yous before we get underway. Uh, Just letting you know that we will have another uh, one of our Connections podcasts before the end of this year. December 7th, we'll be back at the Herdat Sports Bar to uh, film our uh, last and stream our last uh, Connections podcast. Uh, You are able to, if you're you're not uh, listening live now on our Facebook page or on X formerly known as Twitter, uh, which is, uh, you can just search Nebraska Safety Council for both of those pages. It will be available uh, for you to check out on uh, the uh, streaming services or mobile marketplaces, um, Spotify, as well as uh, Apple Podcasts. And if you have listened in the past or... um, this is your first time and you would like to get involved with the Connections podcast, definitely uh, would encourage you to reach out to us, uh, jleffler at nesafetycouncil.org. You can also get a hold of us, comment on this uh, particular uh, Facebook feed, and uh, send us your questions. Big thanks to Cam, Lucian, and Brandon with uh, Herd App Media for uh, helping us out and uh, getting this Connections podcast up and off the ground once again um, and many thanks to the Herdat Sports Bar if you haven't had a chance to uh, come here yes it used to be the Hill Varsity Club now it is the Herdat Sports Bar the menu is still fantastic and uh, they do film quite a few of uh, their uh, podcasts here which uh, is something you should definitely come and check out all right so uh, jumping into today's topic um, and really kind of a, a somber one in light of uh the uh, recent uh, accident down in in Lincoln, which occurred uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, or at least a couple days ago, um, we are going to be talking about motorcycle safety. Um, we have been doing motorcycle training, a beginner rider course at the Nebraska Safety Council for a number of years now. But really, the question today with motorcycle safety is, um, and, and, and this is not meant to be facetious at all, but do you, should you even ride? Um, we, we've seen an increase in the number of accidents. Um, it's, it's very concerning. And for us, with this being a part of our mission on the traffic side at the Nebraska Safety Council and um, trying to provide riders with the foundational uh, knowledge to be out and riding safely, we wanted to talk about motorcycle safety today. And so our guests with us are David Halen, who is a retired mechanical engineer with, uh, with Lozier out of uh, Omaha. Uh, he is also a rider coach trainer with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation and the DMV. And we're also joined by Dan Worm, who is a claims consultant with the Unico Group. I brought both these guys on. Dan, also a, uh, a motorcycle um, instructor with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation and someone who has helped us out with a number of classes down at the Nebraska Safety Council. And I brought both these gentlemen on here today to, uh, to answer this question, uh, should you even ride? We're going to talk about motorcycle safety. That's coming up next 
on the Connections Podcast. Nebraska Safety Council is doing our part to keep Nebraska roads safe, but it takes you to make it happen. With support from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office, the Nebraska Safety Council can provide a free road safety presentation for your business or organization. Education and up-to-date information on seatbelt safety, cell phone use, distracted, impaired, and drowsy driving, along with assistance in developing your road safety policies. Visit NESafetyCouncil.com to learn more. We're talking about motorcycle safety today and asking the question, should you even ride? My guests are Dan Worm. He's a claims consultant with the Unico Group, also a motorcycle instructor with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation and also joined by uh, David Halen, which I have to ask, is your middle name Van? Is it David Van Halen? Because that would be the coolest thing ever if it was. I'm a, I'm a second cousin. Okay, good, good. Second cousin. We're yeah. definitely talking when this one's over. My, my part of the family dropped Van when they got off the boat in New York. <laughs> All right. Retired mechanical engineer with the uh, with Lozier and uh, now a rider and coach trainer with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation as well as the, uh, the DMV. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us uh, this afternoon to talk about something that I know is uh, a, a passion for both of you, riding motorcycles. In fact, your motorcycles are parked right out front. It was the first thing I saw when I pulled in today. Wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I know you wouldn't. I want to ask, though, uh, how did you, I'll start with you, Dan, how did you get into riding, and, and what keeps you on the motorcycle uh, today? Well, so when I was growing up, decades ago everybody either had a motorcycle or knew somebody who had a motorcycle so we it, it was just part of the culture back then for young people uh, not so much now um, but a good friend of mine about six years ago encouraged me to get back on a motorcycle my kids were almost out of the nest and and got to a point where uh, had the resources to do it and and uh, had quit marathoning and decided to find another hobby and that was it so so did you step away from yeah, riding had, a motorcycle on a regular basis for, when you started your family is that kind of um, a little bit before that but okay. um yeah i hadn't ridden for 40 years 40 years yeah yeah now is it kind of like what they say about getting back on a bike you know like a bicycle like you, you know you, you never forget how to ride you just get back on and go i mean or i would imagine it's a little bit different uh it, it is it is like yeah. riding a bike it it's uh a big bike, but but um, everything came back. But I did honestly six years ago. I took a, a motorcycle safety class to just to kind of get back in the saddle and try to you know as a refresher sort of thing. And and uh, it was a, it was a great thing. It was a great thing for me getting uh, going through that and getting back on. So are you commuting to work then on your uh, motorcycle, I, I, weather permitting? I commute regularly. Um, I we, we we travel a lot. So in the last five years, we've probably put on, or I've put on with some buddies, over fifty thousand miles. Um, usually put about ten, twelve thousand miles on in a summer. And so part of my commuting is to keep that skill set viable and, and live. Because when we get into Denver or Des Moines or Kansas City, um, we want to we want to have that skill set that we're not afraid to you know 
come in on an interstate and get into the big cities. So, David, same question for you. Uh, what got you into riding, and, and what keeps you riding today? Uh, like most people, uh, I had a friend with a mini bike and you know rode it around his yard. And uh, then when I came of age, when I was 16, and I'm 70 now. Um, I bought a motorcycle, uh, much to my mother's displeasure, and um, started using it on a regular basis uh, up in the Boston area. And uh, I've had motorcycles, as many as four in the garage, but I've always had one and uh, probably always will, although I think my next one's going to have three wheels. So when you say three wheels, are you talking about a trike or more like kind of like the Can-Am style with the two wheels yes, on the front? Yeah, or? I have real good friends at BRP, and uh, they've been very supportive of the three-wheel thing. As a matter of fact, Tracy, who you know, yeah. um, um, somehow got in contact with me, and BRP is uh, very seriously uh, working to get your program up and running Next spring. Yeah, actually, uh, Tracy Burmeister, our, our traffic services manager uh, at the Nebraska Safety Council, we are actually going to visit with uh, with those folks about um, offering that. Um, our, our range at Halion uh, down near Waverly is going to uh, be equipped so that we're actually able to offer that. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I want to stay with you for a moment, though, David. Sure. In, in 2020, there were... 5,579 motorcyclists that were killed in the U.S. In 2021, that number grew to 5,932, and that's accounting for about 14% of all traffic fatalities. But, you know, you say 14%, well, that's a smaller number, but that's still individuals who are no longer with us, their families that are affected, um, it's it's their coworkers, uh, friends that are all out um, Really having to live the rest of their lives with that with that horrible um, you know happenstance memory. memory exactly. So my question for you, and you kind of both brought this up. You know, you mentioned that it was you you, you decided to get the motorcycle much to the dismay of your parents. How how would how would and, and Dan, I'm going to ask you for your your thoughts on this as well. But starting with you, David, how would a 17 year old Dave Halen convince mom and dad that he should be allowed to ride a motorcycle today? Uh, I would definitely tell them, um, hey, um, I really want to do this, and I've looked into it, and where we live, there's three or four places that uh, provide you with a motorcycle, a helmet if you need it, uh, and you can go to school. You can learn how to do this properly. Um, You can't control what goes on on the streets and roads of any place you ride. Um, but you can be outfitted with tools and strategies to, you know, give you the best chance of success and survival uh, on our streets. And uh, like Dan, I commuted to work daily. Um, You know, I'd ride down to about 20 degrees, then I'd put the bike away for the winter and in the spring start riding again. Uh, Short of rain, I'll pretty much ride... Uh, anytime I, I prefer and like to. It's fun, it's economical, keeps me sharp, I think it does, um, and I do my best to uh, use the tips and techniques and things that we teach in all of our classes. Dan, to David's point, um, same question for you, but 30 or 40 years ago, 17-year-old Dan Worm is probably not telling 
mom and dad. Well, there's all these classes. There's there's this training. I'm going to get these. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't know if that was there. You know, maybe even 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Yeah. So the the training wasn't available when I was growing up. I actually had my license before my parents knew it. Because, you know... They asked for forgiveness, not permission. If you had a friend that had a motorcycle and he wanted to go on a date, he wanted to borrow your car, which means you got the motorcycle for the night or the day or the weekend, however long, you know, that that went on. Um, My my story back then was I did tell my parents that I was going to buy a motorcycle and a good friend of mine was going to buy a motorcycle as well. His dad happened to be a surgeon and his dad found out about it and called my dad and said, well, you know, there's a reason we call these donor vehicles. And so that put the kibosh on me getting my own motorcycle back when I was in high school. So, um, but, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a different climate. But, you, well, you're an instructor now. But so am, for yeah. 17-year-old Dan, how are, how are you, I mean, to David's point, how are you communicating to mom and dad now that, listen, I, I want to use this, it's a legitimate, because it is a legitimate mode of transportation. Yeah. You know, you're not asking for a rocket, you're asking, you know, you're asking, or a submersible, you know, you're, you're asking for a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, the motorcycles are rockets, a lot of them today. Um, I guess I'd back up, though. One of the things that we talk about in the MSF um, program is that this is dangerous fun. And there's a lot of things that we do that are dangerous fun. There's uh, jet skiing. Uh, jet skiing's really dangerous. There's a lot of accidents on jet skis. Uh, but as a parent, there's a lot of people that let their young kids ride jet skis, right? Um, snowmobiling. Snowmobiling is really dangerous. It's dangerous fun. Um, we, we assess the risk, and then we decide whether we want to do it or not. Um, motorcycles, the same thing. You just you, you have to assess the risk and then des- decide whether that's for you. And it's not for a lot of people. We have occasionally people that take, a, take the MSF course, and after the first day, they walk away. They say, yeah, this, this just isn't for me, and, that, and that's understandable. Um, back to your question, how would the 17-year-old Dan convince his parents? I don't think I, I ever could. Um, I think the other part of that is how do the parents react to the, to the 17-year-old wanting to do that, uh, which would be, okay, you want to ride a motorcycle? Let's talk. How about uh, you take the motorcycle safety course first, see if you can pass that, and then, then we'll talk. Um, One of the initiatives at the Nebraska Safety Council right now that we are going around the state with our road safety presentation, our our, uh, partnership with the Highway Safety Office, is talking about distracted driving as the new impaired driving. Um, Clearly, people on their phones... uh, paying attention to things other than their eyes on the road and their surroundings. I'll preface this by saying I've never ridden a motorcycle in my life. I told you guys before we came on here today that I, you know, I used to ride and race bicycles quite a bit, but never have never ridden a motorcycle in my life. If my 17-year-old came to me and said, I'm buying a motorcycle, or I would like to get a motorcycle, training or not, 
with the environment that we have now on the roads, I just don't know or I question whether or not teenagers should be allowed to ride motorcycles. Not because I don't think they're capable of being able to safely operate a motorcycle, but everything else that's around them. I know I mentioned before we started the 28-year-old that lost his life. Someone pulled out in front of him down in Lincoln, and, and here we are again, you know, talking about yet another motorcycle accident. I bring that up because, Dan, I want to I stay with you for a moment. I think, it's, I think it is fair to say that the idea of lifestyle maybe is a little bit more prevalent in motorcycle riding than getting in your car. I mean, yes, there are car clubs and there's people that have their, you know, their affinity towards a certain make, model, what have you. But do you think that that idea of lifestyle, uh, the you know, videos that you see of, you know, people stunt riding on city streets, do you think that this... This is helping or hurting, though, when we're talking about improving safety. Is the human behavior just too much to overcome? Uh, no, I'm a little more hopeful. Uh, the, the lifestyle, I think you're correct. There's, there is a, a lifestyle with the, with the motorcycle riding. I don't think it's just the stunters or the, the crotch rockets. Uh, the lifestyle with, the, with motorcycles is more of a fraternity. When I, you know, when I go to the gas station on O Street at eight or nine o'clock at night on a, you know, Friday, Saturday night, I see a bunch of kids that are 17 to 25, and I'm the old guy with the old BMW, you know, touring bike. They run over, they look at the bike, we talk, I look at their H2, you know, Kawasaki and lust after that, and, and it's, it's a fraternity. Um, do you tell them how fast your BMW can really no, go? No, I don't. Oh, okay. I don't, right. I don't. <laughs> but I, I think that there's, there's more than just the crotch rockets and the stunters. And um, for that reason, it, it's, really a, it's really a powerful thing. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people like Dave that gives a lot of time um, and effort to, to these motorcycle safety classes. I wish we could reach out to the younger folks and get them get them to get in these classes honestly it's not just the beginner rider course it's the brc2 where you come and ride with your own bike it's the advanced rider course where hey you know what you get to ride at speed on one of these ranges and do all sorts of crazy fun things um i i think that would really go a long way um to your point it's it's hard to overcome human nature but it's also, um, there's also a lot of tools out there, and I think if we could somehow be ambassadors a little bit more to these young people instead of just, okay, here's your bike, you know, go have fun. So I'm, you brought something up, and I want to pose this to, to both of you. Is it, is it more difficult, is it more dangerous to ride a motorcycle today than it was when you started riding bikes? Dave? Absolutely. Why? Um, the nature of uh, what goes on on our, our road in, in the, these classes that Dan and I facilitate, uh, we talk about what a social activity this is um, and what people are doing in cars and trucks nowadays um, and not paying attention to 
driving. Uh, it's just nuts. Uh, the cell phone is, in my opinion, the worst invention known to man vis-a-vis -vis traffic safety. Mm -hmm. um, people are distracted. Uh, uh, it's absolutely worse, in my opinion, than uh, driving impaired due to chemical means. And uh, we can tell typically, Dan, Dan, Dan will uh, uh, agree or not, but when you see a, a car kind of weaving side to side or they're in the left lane going 10 miles an hour slower than the speed limit, they're nine times out of 10, they're on their phone. They're, they're doing something other than driving. So that's probably the biggest problem. You know, technically vehicles are way safer than they used to be, including motorcycles. So you have to watch for those signs when you're riding or driving and essentially avoid people that you know are, air quotes, impaired. Dan, would you agree that it's, it's a, a more dangerous environment to ride a motorcycle today than it was when you started? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. For the same reasons? Or what do you see from, from you know, doing a lot more of the instructing and obviously the commuting every day? What... What are the subtle and not so subtle changes that you've noticed on that drive into work every day? Uh, people just aren't aware. People are on autopilot. The, the, you know what? Cars are so easy to drive now. You get in your car, it does everything for you. I mean, you basically just have to steer. Some of the new cars have the adaptive cruise control sort of things on it. They have warnings if you get too close. You know, they, they got warnings if there's cars to the side of you. The cars are just so easy that it makes it more appealing to be distracted to do other things. And then you got the Teslas that, and other electric cars that are practically self-driving, self and people just aren't aware. So, it, fair to say that driving 20, 25, 30 years ago just as an engaging a process as riding a motorcycle has always been than it compared to now, was what you're saying. So people were just more engaged in the driving process well, in a car. They were more aware because yeah, I mean, of... Because I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. All those buzzes and pops and whistles and yeah. everything else, I've got those in my car. You know, I mean, as soon as yeah. somebody is in my blind spot, a little light goes on my rearview mirror. You know, I mean, do you guys have that on your motorcycles? <laughs> no, but it's coming. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's just, inevitable. They, yeah. But the, the death of the manual transmission, people are just less engaged with their, hey. their daily commute. Yeah. Dave, question for you um, along those lines. And, and I think it's important before I jump into this to, to reiterate that the purpose of our discussion here today is not so much to... Um, discourage or, or bash those that are in vehicles or cars or trucks or what have you. However, the fact is there is a documented, the Motorcycle Safety Foundation, you know, who we use for our curriculum at the Nebraska Safety Council, there is a documented uh, process for training these riders that we go through. And the facts are the facts. And over half of the motorcycle accidents that occur between a motorcycle and a car or truck, over half the time, it was the person in the car or truck that was at fault. And that is, it, it will take both 
those that are choosing to ride motorcycles and have every right to ride a motorcycle and those that are choosing to not and get in a car and drive working together um, and, and, and not necessarily getting into the, the finger pointing. <laughs> that's right. Now, that said, I'm, you know, kind of play devil's advocate a little bit here. When I'm, when I'm sitting here, never ridden a motorcycle, only have ever driven cars, and helmet laws are repealed. My, my question for you, David, I'm going to start with you, is that the data has shown that when laws are repealed, there is a measurable spike and motorcycle fatalities. You know, the, the idea of a concussion versus a, an actual fractured skull, the spike is noticeable. Um, and we had talked about this, David, yesterday, just because I, I told you, I wanted to give you a heads up that I was gonna ask you this, because it is a very serious subject, but how does the Motorcycle Safety Foundation reconcile growing the rider base, getting more people, whether they're 17, 27, 57, to jump on a motorcycle and ride? How do you reconcile growing that rider base, but then also stand in opposition to what apparently motorcycle riders are lobbying for that they, that they want, and that is to be able to take their helmet off and ride, and that it's their choice? Because for those of us that don't ride motorcycles and don't understand what that is about, we say, it's already, you're already telling us that it's dangerous and that we need to look out and watch for you, but then you're choosing to take away what the Motorcycle Safety Foundation has determined is the number one piece of safety equipment when you ride a bike. So you understand the frustration, maybe a little bit of the, I hate to use the word cynicism because that sounds callous, but I mean, that's really where, that's where maybe some people sit when they, when they view this issue, David. Um, your cynicism is... Uh well-founded. Um, the anti-helmet crowd, I like to think of as a minority in the motorcycling community. Uh, and they essentially view the issue. I'm not going to name an organization or anything unless you want to talk about it. Um, but they view it as their right to not have to wear a helmet. It's similar to a right to own a gun or a right to own a knife and carry such things. It's... Uh, we're a nation founded on freedom, and that's, you know, that's how they spin it. Um, I would never get on a motorcycle without a helmet. I've always worn a helmet. Um, I, I change helmets every three or four years because they get old and not as functional as they used to be. You, you don't see anyone racing a car or a, a motorcycle or diesel tractor trailer or what have you in a racing scenario without a helmet. It's just... In my opinion, it's not a very smart thing to do, but I understand the, the angst it causes some people. Um, having the government tell them they gotta do something. I remember the whole seatbelt thing years ago. It's, it's pretty much the same issue. Um, if they wanna do it, uh, my feeling is um, you should be, uh, I don't know, how do I put this? Um, not depend on the citizens of the state of Nebraska should you be injured but not killed in an accident or a crash and then expect the state to take care of your medical bills and your long-term care. That just doesn't make sense to me. Dan, from your where you sit, being in that insurance space, how, how, how does this, in, in, in kind of broad terms, how does this affect the insurance landscape for a state that has 
motorcycle riders, but a, but a law that does not require, or lack of a law that requires you to wear a helmet, what, what will the impact be there? I would imagine that they would just say that, well, there's no helmet law, so in any motorcycle accident, the assumption is that there was no helmet worn until we can prove otherwise, obviously, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where, I don't know about that. Um, my understanding is, it, Dave, am I right? There's only 20 states that, that require helmets all the time. The rest of the states have some kind of age limit, mm -hmm. like, you know, 21 or 19. Missouri, so Missouri's law is you uh, can't ride without a helmet till you're 26, because at 26, your brain's completely developed and you can make that good decision on your own. Mm -hmm. um, that happened about three years ago, ever since then their numbers have gone up for fatalities. And quite simply, to answer your question about the insurance, is our insurance rates will go up in Nebraska because there's going to be more fatalities. And if the car's at fault, they're going to have to pay out that claim. And our insurance rates are going to go up. It's gone, they've gone up in every other state that, that has made that switch. So uh, sticking with you, and obviously with your, with your background in, in in insurance and also being an avid rider, do the requirements and the subsequent fines that that are going to be applied to those that it's a secondary offense in Nebraska. If you're not wearing your helmet and you don't have your beginner rider course card or to show that you've completed that, if you're pulled over for speeding, a secondary offense would be, well, and you don't have your card, you're not right. wearing a helmet, so there would be that fine as well. Do these, do these fines, do the requirements, do they, do they go far enough to, to mitigate what we know is coming with, with, the, with the helmet repeal? I, I, I think those, those fines are a band-aid. I mean, they can't, as I understand it, they can't pull you over just because you don't have a helmet on. Right, it's not a primary right? offense, so. And by the time you have the accident and you end up as a fatality, that fine doesn't matter. So I don't, I don't think those have any bearing. They're not gonna be a deterrent. And quite frankly, if somebody wants to ride without a helmet next year, after the first of the year, they're gonna do it whether they have the little card or not. Um, it, it, I mean, that's just that's just the way it's going to be. Back to your human nature. Yeah. Well, well no, and that's that's a perfect point. Yeah. Is that is that you know I've already noticed in Lincoln a number of people um, at least once a week I will see someone on a motorcycle riding without a helmet. Yeah. And I think that once the headline hit motorcycle helmet law repeal, they assumed that that was just immediately enacted, not knowing that it right. doesn't go into effect until January first of 2024 right and you know you have to wonder too with law enforcement and all of the stresses on them and all of the other responsibilities is this something that they're really going to have you know be out policing yeah um i mean unless it's just a an egregious you know primary offense speeding reckless riding something along those lines right, right. um you know, it's going to be very hard to just go around and pull over every single person, like as you said, yeah. that that's not wearing a helmet. Yeah. So, I, I guess, kind of circling back, where, knowing knowing the the legal climate that we have, knowing that we have you know, yet another unfortunate fatality, and I know that some that are you know, someone might be listening and say, well, you know. That guy was wearing a helmet 
by the way, and sadly, he still passed away. So what's the point? Well, the point is there's a lot of other people that are affected when this type of thing happens. There's a, there's a young person that hit this motorcyclist that now has to live with that for the rest of their life. We're not going to be able to completely you know, wipe out all traffic accidents, whether it be a car, car, motorcycle, car, car, what have you. But from your perspective, what are the steps that need to be taken in this new environment with all the years of riding experience that you have to, to answer the question, should we even ride? Yes. What needs to happen? Well, we've already seen, and you, you probably know this, John, uh, there's an increased demand for motorcycle safety courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as people read it in the newspaper, they're like, oh, I got to take a course. Um, is that a good thing? I would argue yes. You know, I've been doing this for 30 plus years um, because my wife shamed me into it and uh, I learned a lot and I ended up, you know, having a second career at it. Um, I remember the first time I took a course thinking, oh, wow, this is cool. I didn't know this. So there, if there's an upside, it's that maybe more people will be taking these courses uh, we do have, you mentioned crotch rocket riders, we do have um, an advanced riding course in, in its cousin, the military sport bike rider course that I've conducted at Offutt Air Force Base here in Omaha. And I've had uh, even those riders go, hey, man, this is really cool. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. So I guess I'm, I'm an inherent optimist. My wife accuses me of that every day. Um, my hope is that more people get engaged and learn how to ride properly and perhaps, you know, save their life someday. Um, you know, we were talking before the podcast started about approaching an intersection. If I see someone's going to try and turn left, I make sure my bike is weaving side to side in the lane. I'm not drunk. I'm just trying to make sure that person mm-hmm. sees me coming. Uh, did I come up with that all by myself? No, I learned it in a motorcycle safety course. So hopefully uh, people will engage. Um, We are seeing an increased interest in classes and, you know, hopefully more and more folks uh, will do it. Now, as far as uh, the MSF and selling more motorcycles, that isn't really their job, but you and I both talked about this. The motorcycle manufacturers essentially fund uh, this curriculum development, and I've, I'm on my, I think, third version of this beginning rider course, and it gets better and better all the time. And, uh, you know, your business, the National Safety Council, has a great range in Lincoln and a nice classroom, and hopefully more people in the Lincoln area will take advantage. Uh, there are a number of places here, and even manufacturers that are really supportive of rider training. So we're hoping that... Uh, the upside is more and more people will get, will get trained and learn how to ride properly. Dan, for the, the gentleman or the, uh, the gal that walks in and when they, they understand what's going to be required of them to take their helmet off and ride in Nebraska next year, um, and they walk in, and, and I bring this up because it has happened at, at the Nebraska Safety Council office, is um, I've been riding for 40 years. And so now you're telling me I've got to take a weekend and go and basically show you that I know what I'm doing because I've been doing it for 40 years. 
from your perspective as someone who's been writing for a long time and instructs this class, how would, how would you instruct me to, to address that concern, question, complaint? <laughs> I, I, I'd say, yeah, that's right. Simple as that. I mean, every, you know, the, the whole riding a motorcycle thing, um, to me, is not, oh, I've learned this, I'm done. Um, the motorcycles keep changing just like cars keep changing fortunately or unfortunately with motorcycles they keep getting bigger and faster and there's there's always something you can learn on a motorcycle and, you know unless you ride moto gp or you ride track days regularly uh, you've got a lot to learn on a motorcycle and you know part of our strategy and and honestly i i i was just talking to stephanie who's a a uh, coach over at Dillon Brothers, and and she made a great point. This whole helmet law and the requirements—they're an opportunity for us. They're an opportunity to get people in and start thinking about having a strategy that's different on a motorcycle than it is on their car. Um, when you drive a car, again, you're so complacent. The car does all this stuff for you. Um, on a motorcycle, our our what we try to do in, a, in the MSF class is get people to have a, a conscious strategy that's different once you get on that motorcycle. For example, when I'm late for something and I have the choice of getting on my motorcycle or getting on my car or getting in the car, I pick the car because I'm going to probably drive a little faster, right? It's just, it's just one of my strategies. If I'm late, I don't jump on the motorcycle, right? Um, so we, if we can get them in the door and convince them that there's something here to be learned and then show them that there is and they're they're satisfied that that hey I learned a lot here hopefully that word will get out but I think from your point of view for to answer your question just let them know there there's something here for you to learn well and I would even take it a step further too because this is something that we're always doing and I know that um Tracy, our traffic services manager, would appreciate this, is that uh, we're always recruiting coaches. You know, the Motorcycle Safety Foundation, the, the coaches that we have are not just coaching with the Nebraska Safety Council. They're coaching at other uh, organizations as well. But to your point, Dan, going back to the very beginning of our conversation today, the, the idea of the fraternity or the group, you know, the collaboration, the, the community, you know, um, that's really what it is. And you know what? Those folks that have, that have been on the bike, that have saddled up for the last 30, 40 years, you know, you know they can really provide a lot of insight and help um, and, you know, dare I say, save a life by being able to communicate with uh, those riders that have been doing it as long as they have yep. and even those that, that are younger. Uh, Dave, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here today. Dan, the same. I think this has been a really, really good conversation and one that I think will continue um, in the future because uh, we'll, uh, we'll see how things go, you know, with this helmet repeal. But uh, I would agree, uh, David, that there have been a lot more people that have taken part in these uh, training courses, and I think that it's, it's a positive sign. So... I share your optimism <laughs> about where we're going you, with you this. You have to be. Uh, and like Dan said, I've had experienced riders come in. And we also have other courses it's worth talking a little bit about. There's even a returning rider basic rider course. 
Dan mentioned earlier, he laid off for 40 years. It's If he had a motorcycle license and came to this course, uh, he might learn a few new things. And frequently with experienced riders, I've had them say, well, geez, I didn't know this could do this, or I didn't know about counter-steering. That's a, that's a popular one, right, Dan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would encourage everybody... Um, to, to not only visit the Nebraska Safety Council website and learn more about our motorcycle training opportunities, but also go to, um, whether you've ridden a motorcycle or not, uh, the Motorcycle Safety Foundation website. Um, there is, uh, under the Resources tab, a uh, kind of a quick tips, and a uh, there's about 10 different ideas thoughts that you should have in your head about how you should be operating around motorcycles. And I think it really gives a very concise, articulate uh, description of of what um, someone on a motorcycle is thinking about when they're riding and the idea that they ride. And when they do go through that training, they ride with the the idea that you're invisible, that you're never seen. Absolutely. Um, and that they uh, they operate their motorcycles uh, accordingly. Uh, David Halen is a rider and a coach trainer with the Motorcycle Safety Foundation and DMV. Dan Worm is a motorcycle instructor with the uh, Motorcycle Safety Foundation as well. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us Thanks this afternoon. Us. Appreciate all the uh, the input. A reminder that the Nebraska Safety Council will be in Lincoln tomorrow at Gateway Mall for our uh, monthly community day. We'll be there from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Gateway Mall. If you'd like to come by and learn about all the uh, programs, education, different classes, services that we have, we will be back on Thursday, December 7th for our final Connections podcast of the year. And uh, a reminder again, you can visit nesafetycouncil.org to learn more about all of our driver's education, including motorcycle training courses. Uh, Appreciate you joining us. Uh, As always, uh, we'll be streaming this on uh, uh, Spotify as well as the uh, Apple uh, mobile marketplace. Thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon on the Connections Podcast. Nebraska Safety Council is doing our part to keep Nebraska roads safe, but it takes you to make it happen. With support from the Nebraska Department of Transportation Highway Safety Office, the Nebraska Safety Council can provide a free road safety presentation for your business or organization. Education and up-to-date information on seatbelt safety, cell phone use, distracted, impaired, and drowsy driving, along with assistance in developing your road safety policies. Visit any safety council org to learn more. Safety Council has been serving Nebraskans since 1961. We are committed to providing your business and organization with the education and training to keep you, your employees, and family safe on the road, at home, or in the workplace. Your support of the Nebraska Safety Council allows us to continue providing classes and programs for traffic safety, wellness services, and training safety. Your support is appreciated. 
To learn more about donating or sponsorship opportunities with the Nebraska Safety Council, visit nesafetycouncil.org to learn more. 